0: Enable us to listen well, to hear that message that you have for us, that we might step one more step into life with Christ, to know the reality of it, to know the power of it, and to know the blessing of it as we seek after you. So now, God, continue to work here and bless us. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. You know, I've thought um, this week about um, how I might begin this last of this uh, short series of sermons, which we've just entitled Success. Um, this series where we've essentially looked into the life of one man, King Asa of Judah, from thousands of years ago, and and asked ourselves the question, what is it that led to the blessing that he had Particularly in chapter 14 and 15 of 2nd Chronicles I'm told last week I said 2nd Corinthians repeatedly Anybody notice? Yeah, yeah You're all sitting here thinking he's an idiot and he doesn't know But I'm not going to say anything about it 2nd Chronicles, that's in the Old Testament It's a long, long time ago this happened But here's this, this king who who found incredible blessing from God he found God intervening in his life and and enabling him to do remarkable and wonderful things Um, he was was a man who did was right and good in the eyes of the Lord he was a a man who lived in obedience he he eliminated Judah, his kingdom uh, uh, from all idolatry he tore down the idols so that people could turn not to them but to God And, you know, talk about a successful reign. It was incredible what God did for him. And I've essentially come along to this congregation for a couple of weeks and said, you know, God wants to bless your life. I believe that to my core. If you have found faith in Jesus, and I know many of you have, If you've come to that place that I just described Of of trusting in Christ And opening your heart to him And as King Asa did in chapter 14 Crying out to the Lord for help That you might have salvation That you might have forgiveness of sin Asking the Lord Jesus to do for you What you can't do for yourself Bring you into a relationship with God To know his blessing If you have forgiveness of sin And you have the ongoing presence of God in your life You are an incredibly blessed person That's why Jesus came, right? (laughs) He came to bless us and through us to build a kingdom so that more people would be blessed, so that the world would be blessed. God is a God of blessing. And, and <clears throat> really, as I thought about this, you know, it, it, it's about the kind of life we want to live. Because what I just described, if indeed that's you, is only the beginning of what God wishes to do in you. That's the beginning of the life of blessing, if you would. <clears throat> and there's great potential for way more. Like way more blessing in life uh, If indeed we're willing to take hold of that You know, King Asa, as I've said, chapter 14 He, he has success I mean, he's, he's the poster child for success You know, he beats those Kushites You know, the million-person army As opposed to his 500,000-person army Because God stepped in And God, it says uh, Gained victory over the Kushite army More power for the king, more wealth for the king, more adulation for the king. It's, it's, it's a blessed uh, time in his life. But then we come to chapter 16. And you know what? I have to um, essentially describe this chapter as. It's a chapter of failure. Because here he becomes the poster child for how not to do things. It's really sad. It's like, you know, Asa, what... What happened? What went wrong? We're going to look at this and and we're going to figure out what it was that 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 drew him to this place of just blowing it after such incredible success. You know, in one way, Asa is facing a similar circumstance to what he faced in chapter 14, in chapter 16. He he's facing a military threat. Um, He is an enemy. Uh, that, is, that is encroaching against him and his people and the question is what is he going to do about it? All right, so let's read chapter 16 verse 1 and, and start to dig into the story in the 36th year of Asa's reign uh, You know this is this is 25 years after the great defeat over the Kushites I mean a long time blessing in the 36th year of Asa's reign Basha king of Israel went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa king of Judah so they're under siege as a a nation Um, the circumstance is, is really sort of simple the king of Israel and it's a divided kingdom Israel and Judah of course at this point he's he's targeting he's beginning to move against he wishes to defeat King Asa and his his armies and his people now Again, the question would, would be, okay, Asa, what are you going to do about it? Not To us, having chapter, studied chapter 14 and 15, the answer is really, really simple. You do exactly what you did before because what you did before in turning to God and crying out to God and seeking his help and recognizing his strength and your own weakness and seeing God move in powerful ways to give you victory, that's, that's exactly what you would think King Asa would do, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Hmm, well, let's carry on and see exactly what it did happen Um, uh, verse 2 of chapter 16 Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and I'll just pause because we didn't read this last week but this is the money that he had previously given to God and put into the temple Okay. so what he does here is he takes the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to King Ben-Hadad King of Aram who was ruling in Damascus essentially, before we go on, what's happening is that King Basha has made an alliance with King Aram, and this powerful king is kind of on the side of now Asa's enemy. And what, what he's doing is he's taking God's money, and he's going to use it to sort of buy off the king of Damascus. Sort of a smooth move in his mind, I would suggest to you. Now, what, what I want to do is move into verse 3 to verse 6, and the question that I want you to ponder as I read these verses is where is God in what King Asa now does so let's read verses three to six let there be a treaty between me and you King Aram he said as there was between my father and your father see I'm sending you silver and gold now break your treaty with uh, Basha king of Israel so he will withdraw from me then Hadad king agreed with King Asa and sent a Commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel, they conquered Ijon and Dan and abel Maim and all the store cities of Naphtali. When Beša heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah and they carried away from Ramah the stones and the timber Beša had been using with them. He built up Giba and Mizpah. Now where is God in what I just read to you? I want to tell you, God is absolutely absent From what King Asa did This is a God-less description Of what this formerly trusting king Faithful king had done Which provided such success There is no turning to God There is no seeking God There is no crying out to God There is no inviting God in There is no acknowledging his weakness and God's strength As a matter of fact, there is just no God In what he's cooked up you see, what he does instead of turning to God is he turns to King Aram. He replaced God with King Aram. What's that called? Remember, hmm? idolatry. idolatry. Somebody was listening a few weeks ago. He replaced God with something else, some other created thing. <laughs> you know, rather than 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 than. Asa, you know, admitting the strength and the power of God and turn to it, he turns to this other king and relies on his strength and on his ability and he cries out to him for help. And we sort of shake our heads like, Asa, what are you doing? Rather than Asa admitting his own weakness to God and, and relying on the ability and the power of God, not only does it rely on uh, King Aram's strength, he begins to rely on his own cunning and his ingenuity and his ability to strategize and form alliances. He's acting in an incredibly human way. And everything that he had done right before, he doesn't do this time. Instead of faithfulness to God and to God's word, I got to tell you, he acts in an unfaithful way. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 to 2. This is part of King Asa's Bible, the word of God to him. God gi- giving instruction to the Israelites as they prepare to enter into the land, part of which now Asa reigns. In, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you the many nations, the Hittites and Gergeshites and Amorites and Canaanites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites seven nations larger and stronger than you sound familiar when God does that when God enables you to overcome powers that are greater than you and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them then you must destroy them to, uh, totally make no treaty with them and show them no mercy What has the king just gone and done He's made a king A a treaty with the king of Damascus Or of Syria In direct contravention To the word of God that had been spoken And which he possessed Um, He did exactly the opposite of what scripture said to do and he left God out of the picture Now before we go on any further I want to ask you this question Have you ever done that? You're faced with a big problem, a challenge, a difficulty, and you start to strategize and be creative and lean on your own resources in order to solve the problem, as opposed to turning to God. Yeah, everybody, why don't we all just start doing this right now? Right? I have, I have. You know, I've told you before when I face challenges and difficulties. One of my, I mean, it's not all the time, but but when those sort of things arise up, you know what I do? I worry. Anybody worry in the face of challenges and difficulties? Some of us more than others. You know, I think about it a lot, and what am I going to do? You already just said, what am I going to do? And for a lot of my life, I'm, I'm 58 now. It's taken me a long time to figure this out. I'm glad I'm going the other way than Asa went. I mean, he was smart when he was younger. I was stupid, and now I'm getting smarter where he got stupid. I think I'm getting smarter, I hope so But essentially, this is the reality When I face a challenge or a difficulty Historically, there's something in me that says Even though you believe, Chris, that God is with you And that he is the power And he will act on your behalf At a deep, deep level in me, I haven't believed it And one of the things that God has taught me Through this healing care ministry That we've introduced to the church Which I have experienced in other contexts Is very simply this At a deep level, I have this belief I have a problem, I have to fix it And quite frankly, the other belief that's attached to that is, I don't think I can. And if you don't think you can solve the problem that you're facing, what does that produce in a person? Stress, anxiety, worry. This has been going on in Chris Little for a long time until recently, thank God. (laughs) When he he has enabled me to believe something different, to, to, to see and to understand, you know what, God is with me at a deep level and he can deal with the circumstance which I'm facing you see the the differences between a God reliance turning to God and giving to God the problem and leaving it with them and a self reliance which says I gotta handle this I gotta make my way through this as if God didn't exist now you see this is exactly what King Asa did unfortunately that's what I have done too much and I bet you it's what lots of you do because it's so human and my friends what we need is not a godless approach we need an approach that is God-centered and God-trusting we need an approach that, 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 that learns from chapter 14 and rejects the message that we see in Asa's life in chapter 16 and essentially what results from this approach that Asa takes is nothing other than what I want to call abject failure because that's what happens in his life and I want to point out three ways where This failure is demonstrated in his life in this text. Number one, even though Basha was overcome, that king of Israel, and he backed off and not having the support of the the king of Damascus so that, again, uh, King Asa is free to reign without that threat, Asa missed a blessing which which would have been absolutely remarkable in his life. It's the missed blessing here that becomes what's prominent. Chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. At that time... Hanani, the seer, the prophet, came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, because you relied, note the word, you see how important that word is in these texts? Because you relied on the king of Aram and not the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army, thinking chapter 14, with great numbers of chariots and horsemen, yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. See, you see what, uh, tragically, uh, Hananiah is saying here is, as God once acted for you, so he would have acted for you again. As God once moved in power because you relied on him, turned to him, cried out to him, admitted your weakness and God's strength, and just invited him to come and to move in power, as he did 25 years ago, so he would have done again. He would have stepped in, and he would have given you victory, not over King Besha, but also over King... Aram And because you didn't turn to the Lord And rely on him You missed an incredible victory Over a powerful king Quite frankly here (laughs) he, He passed up Greater power A great expansion of his territory As king, greater wealth Greater adulation from his people And the surrounding nations He passed up incredible blessing that God would have given to him if indeed God had turned, uh, Asa had turned to God. Principle. I want to tell you, my friends, this is true for us. It it rises out of the text. If we will seek God, if we will rely on him and invite him in, God will bless us in ways that are way greater and far greater than anything we could produce on our own in life. Do you see it? And I want to suggest what's also in the text here is that he will bless us in ways that we can't even contemplate. I don't even think King Asa took the time to think, you know, if I trusted God, he would also give me victory over King Aram. Just wasn't in the, I just got to get away from Basha. I got, to, I got to get success over the king of Israel. And I guess when I'm coming to you today and I ask the question, you know, how do we want to live? And what experience do we want to have in life? Do we want to consider the possibility that God is so willing to bless us that it's beyond what we contemplate and it's going to produce something far greater than we could ever produce on our own? Does anybody want to live that reality here? I do. I do. (laughs) I'd love that to happen in my life. And again, it always doesn't look like success when everything's going wonderfully. You know, we talked about it previously in chapter 14. Sometimes success is hard and difficult like when the Kushites attacked but God simply used that challenge and difficulty to multiply blessing in in Asa's life and in his reign. You know I I think of our vision here as a church and and, you know I, I could go on at length and I have in previous months gone on at length about what we envision God doing here we want to be a thriving church where people are deepening in their faith and being transformed by the power of the Word of God and the healing ministry of the Holy Spirit so that we are living Passionately to bring the kingdom of God in all areas of life We want we want to see our children growing up and embracing faith with passion and conviction that will take them through life We want to be serving in the downtown area and internationally in a global sort of way We want to be starting satellite churches so that the gospel which is becoming less and less known in our country and in our local community is heard in other communities under the leadership of this church and direction of God by his spirit I could go on and on with all those sorts of things my friends my point to you here is those are the things that God has already enabled us to envision but if we will trust him if we will rely on him if we will turn to him and invite him in recognizing our weakness and his strength simply asking him for the help that he can provide he's going to move in power in us and we're going to experience far more than what we even anticipate isn't that cool thank you those of you who nodded and said yes it's cool. This is the God we have. And he'll bless us in the way that he chooses. And it won't be without struggle and difficulty and heartache. When did he ever say that would happen? What about your life? Do you want to live the blessed life? Like, honestly. Do you want to have, a, do you want to have the life that God wishes for you to have? The life where you are blessed and he intervenes and he acts on your behalf and he gives you that which is beyond your your, your understanding or hope? See, I want to say to you this morning, that's what God desires. As a result, let's look at verse nine, the beginning of verse nine where it says, this is a relatively famous verse. For the eyes of the Lord, think about this. This is describing the reality of the God we believe in. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. God's on the lookout for something. He's seeking something to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. (laughs) Do you hear what the verse is saying? God is looking intently for people. He is seeking for people who are seeking Him with all of their hearts. He's on the hunt for us. You know, He's passionately wanting to find people who are whose hearts are fully committed to him because when he finds those people, he's going to strengthen their hearts to enable them to do what they could never dream doing in life. And the absolutely critical component of this verse and maybe of this whole series is caught up in this little phrase, those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I've challenged you with that previously in this series and I'm gonna do it again. Where are your hearts in relationship to your God? This goes beyond saying, do you believe in God? I, I say it so often because it strikes me so profoundly. The devil believes in God, right? Like, so what? You believe there's a God? That's not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about believing in him. <laughs> but there, you know, we can take a step beyond that. We can take a step into his family by trusting in Christ's sacrifice and by inviting the Lord Jesus into our hearts and asking for forgiveness of sins and, and, and being his. But we can go beyond that a step further all the way to this reality where our hearts are fully committed to Christ. Now here's the deal. Lots of Christians aren't there. Lots of people who believe in Jesus and are in the family of God, they're not there. Passionately committed to the things of God, living to bring the kingdom of God into this world, as our vision says, in all areas of life. Eager to see other people come to know Jesus. Eager to see this world transformed through their lives in their workplaces in their in neighborhoods and on and on and on. They get up in the morning and their commitment is to the kingdom of God and to the will of the Lord being done in and through them. Is that you? That's a big question, right? But I want to tell you, the Lord is looking for such people, can I put it in terms of the text, such people whom he might bless and use and strengthen and empower in dramatic and beautiful and in wonderful ways. And I guess the question again is: is this the life you want? Is this, is this what you're after? Well, it, it it was King Asa's heart as a younger man, but when we come to this text, it's not so. And the verse carries on with a, another tragic result. Number one, he missed the blessing. Number two, you have done a foolish thing. From now on, you will be at war. Um For the rest of his reign, this king would be leading a nation which was at war with other nations. The blessing of peace that he had known for 35 years, apart from that short time, that battle that's described in chapter 14, the blessing of peace is now gone. Not only did he lose a greater blessing than he could have anticipated or produced on his own, he also lost the blessing that he had. And, you know, we can't call that anything other than an an absolute disaster. (laughs) He lost it, that which God had blessed him with. And again, think about war, death, and grief, and constant struggle, and the loss of wealth as plunder would have been taken away, loss of freedom as as his people would have been carted off in every lost battle. You see the contrast between these, these two realities, what he could have had versus what he ended up with? You know, a lot of people live with war in their lives today, you know, no peace in their lives, no peace in their relationships. It's a struggle. (laughs) I thought of what Jesus said, uh, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That sounds like a battle to me, you know, to wreak havoc in our lives. People need to find peace. They need to find the blessing of peace, and I'm telling you, my friends, it comes when we fully trust Christ. And in those times of challenge and difficulty when we turn to him and we cast our care upon him and we leave it with him because we know that he cares for us and we see the Lord Jesus intervene in our lives in powerful and loving ways to solve the problems that we could try to solve on our own and could do a little bit with but could never accomplish what he does. You see, Jesus, trusting Jesus, it is he who offers us the life that we can live. The good life, can I call it that? doesn't necessarily mean wealth and fame, it just means it's the blessed life. And one of the blessings that we get is peace as we simply cry out to him. Big question today, have you entered into that relationship with Jesus? Have you cried out to him? Have you turned to him and asked him to do what you can't do, forgive your sin, ask him to give you a relationship with God that you can't accomplish just simply by being good? That's a myth that the Bible contradicts repeatedly. But yet human beings seem to hold on to? Have you asked Jesus to do for you what you cannot do for yourself in in enabling you by his grace and by his mercy and by his forgiveness to bring you into a relationship with God? Struggle in the text is not, of course, it's, it's not only with people, it's also with God. Look at verse 10. It says this. Asa was angry with the seer, the prophet, Because of this, he was so enraged that he put him in prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. And I read that verse, and I stand back and go, wow, how far this man has fallen. How far he has fallen. See, as a result of the the prophet coming to him, the seer coming to him, he resists and he rejects the voice of God he tries to silence the voice he, he shuts him away in a jail and then he oppresses some of his people and again I ask you have you ever done that? shut out the voice of God in your life? you know really uh, you know, I'm kind of personalizing this a little bit but I've, I, an interesting thought I've had because my role, my intention my heart's desire is to communicate to you the word of God to take the book, the scripture that we study communicate its truth to you in a life-giving and relevant way so assuming that that i have been faithful in my calling in various times in your life have you ever tried to silence the prophet the one who speaks for god have you ever tried to put me in a jail and shut me out you know just simply say no to god and what god's voice is the text it's possible Just say no to the Lord. Whenever God, like Hanani comes, he's coming to to correct. He's confronting the king. Have you ever felt correction? Just say no. It's easy to do. It's easy to hear the correction of God and to shut shut that down because you don't want to hear it because hearing the correction of God means that you have to change and you need to repent as Asa could have done. And to choose a different way of faithfulness, as one whose heart is fully committed to the Lord. And I guess you know simply who's at war with God here and who's at peace with Him. Not a powerful question. Even if you're in His family, you can still be at war with Him because you're resisting His correction, which comes by His Word. By the way, where does life come from? Where does this peace come from? Where does this place of ongoing and beautiful blessing comes from? It comes by trusting in the living God and living according to his word and it is through the living word of God that we find blessing. The very thing that King Asa rejected and walked away from. Don't do that. Tragic result number three. Is essentially the dismal end to Asa's life. Maybe 11 to 13 verses. 11 to 13. The events of Asa's reign, from beginning to end, are written in the Book of the Kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of the reign of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, note it. He's a suffering man at this point. Even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. I want to tell you, this little snapshot is a profound conclusion to the description of, of his life later, later on in his experience. Even when he is suffering, even when he is hurting, even when he's struggling and moving toward death, for some reason he refused to turn to the Lord, to cry out to the Lord, to seek the Lord and to to find the strength and healing that the God of heaven and earth had the power to enact in his life. Instead, it says he turned to physicians. You know, the original language suggests to us it's not just that he turned to doctors, but it's likely that he turned to priests of foreign gods. Idolatry had crept back into the land and he turned to the power of an idol. Idol. To seek help from his in his suffering than to turn to the living God. Now that's tragic, right? That's tragic. And he he suffered and he died an unhappy man. And again, note the contrast between this King Asa and the King Asa of chapter 14, powerful, victorious, and celebrated. Who do you want to be like? And what kind of life do you want to live? You know, this week, uh, many of you will have heard on the news or or read about the death of a man named Billy Graham. Um, And I think we can honestly say from the kingdom perspective, he was a great man. He was a huge success. (laughs) He's a man who lived an incredibly blessed life blessed by God. He preached to 120 and more million people live, never mind those who watched him and listened to him on television. He saw thousands and thousands of people come to faith in Jesus through his ministry. He counseled one president in the states after another, after another, after another. He had the ear of power. He had influence. He was welcomed by monarchs. It's a story of incredible blessing and success two stories that I read about this week as I, as I read newspaper articles actually about his, his passing and their stories or, 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 or things that I had heard about by reading about him myself but the first is that when he was a young man he sensed that God was calling him to ministry he probably had no idea what that ministry would become you see the blessing is far greater than anything you can contemplate and far greater than anything that you can accomplish on your own and, and he was struggling God you, you want me to do that with my life and, and one night he went for a walk In the middle of the night on a golf course And, and, and he, he said, I finally gave in While pacing at midnight on the 18th hole And these are the words he said to God God, if you want me, you've got me Goosebumps Because <laughs> there's a man whose heart was fully committed to the Lord If you want me, you've got me I'll do whatever you want me to do And if this is the life you want me to live, I'm in Second story comes <clears throat> when a reporter, I assume a non-believing secular reporter, asked him the question, "What's the secret of your success?" And again, from that reporter's perspective, here is a man who, compared to many other people, had huge success in terms of his endeavor, what he uh, sought to accomplish and to do. And this was this was the result of Bill, or the response of Billy Graham. He said, "There is no secret. Uh, the secret of my work is God." Uh, I would be nothing without him. Are you hearing it? <laughs> he knew and he, he in the depth of his being that the blessing that he had encountered had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with the God who empowered him and who used him and who blessed him and blessed millions of other people through his life. It wasn't him? I want to tell you, my friends, not all of us are going to become famous evangelists or preachers. Not all of us, you know, like, what is the blessing? God knows what the blessing is. But I want to tell you, he wants to bless our lives. And it, it is posed, the question is posed to us in, in these chapters, do we want to live that blessed life or not? You know, I think of young people. I've said it previously. You've got your whole life ahead of you. What kind of life do you want to engage Do you want to see God move in your life in power and kind of knock me down, blow me away sort of intervention of the living God in your life causing blessing in in, in your life in the way of his choice? Do you want your life to be used powerfully by God? Do you want to encounter God in that way? And you know, to those of us who are a little bit older, I just, I keep thinking about this King Ace at the latter part of his life, and I just think, man, even then it could have been different. Even then, when his feet were causing suffering in his life, he could have turned to God. And the God of mercy and the God of grace would have exercised his power to provide the blessing that he needed. It's never too late. I don't care where you've been or what you've done, what age you are, we can still turn to God and cry out to him and encounter him by simply seeking him and inviting him in and admitting our weakness and recognizing his strength and relying on him and him alone to accomplish what he wishes to accomplish in and through us. You know what I hope for? I hope for blessing in your life. I really do. I'm your pastor, right? I love you. I mean I really do want the best for you and Jesus died that we might know the best of the best of the best and he reaches out and he takes hold of our lives and he gifts us with faith and he transforms our hearts and we receive him and we trust him and then he says to us maybe the word of God here this morning is will you fully and completely commit your life to me and will you consistently turn to me instead of self-reliance or others' reliance? Well, you get up every morning and say, Lord God, here I am. I look to you to do for me what I need done. I look to you because, Lord, I want to serve you with all of my heart and all of my soul, and I want to know what you have for me. Lead me into what you've got, God. Lead me into it. That can be you. It really can And I want to tell you, according to the authority of the Word of God, God's going to show up in your life, probably in ways that many of you have never encountered Him, powerfully. And He's going to accomplish His will, His purposes, in and through you. And I finish this series this morning by simply asking, is that you? Is that what you want? Is that your heart's desire? I want to just give a moment for you of silence for you to respond to God. There might be people here who are saying, yeah, that's exactly what I want and you may never have said to the Lord, God, I'm in 110%. I fully and completely commit my life to you. If you want to do that, would you? God's waiting to hear it. His eyes are seeking throughout the earth to find those people whose hearts are so inclined. Let them find you. If that's not you yet, maybe you're on you're on a journey of faith. Can, can I just can I just suggest to you that you be really honest with God? Like really honest with them? You might not yet trust him that much And in a a way that's okay Because trust builds and it grows and it develops And it brings us to that place Where we can so trust the living God That we can actually say that to him Lord, anything you want, I am yours That's it God, if that's what you want of me Like Billy Graham said, I'm in You got me You got me I implore you To do so with God If you're able Give him your life. Give him your life. And then wait to see what God will do. Let's pray. Take a moment with God, would you? Share your heart with him. for those who aren't yet really able to make that sort of statement to you, commitment to you. um, We just pray this morning that you will build their faith until they can, that you'll reveal yourself to them as a God of love and of grace and of blessing, of goodness, who can provide this life of blessing that, uh, quite frankly, we all long for. Give those folks, Lord, a deeper faith as they journey forward with you and take them to that place where they can make such a commitment before you. Or in my, just, my sense is that there are probably people here today, there are people here today who have big challenges before you and they need you to show up big time as we say now. They need you to deal with problems that they know they can't deal with on their own and that they're ready to, 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 to be what, what we are called to be, people who turn to you and cry out to you and and then see you work in ways of incredible blessing. I just pray for those people that they will be what they can be by faith. That they will encounter you in just a remarkable and a beautiful way. Lord, all of us here have this opportunity to live the life, you know, the good life, not what the world defines at all, but an incredible life with you, getting caught up and the power of God being exercised in and through us. I think of our church, Lord, and how that that can be in such uh, such significant ways. And Lord, we just we just look to you as people who are fully and completely <coughs> committed to you, God. We look to you to work, to bless, to take us forward in a way that, Lord, we'll look back someday as. I suppose Billy Graham did it the latter part of his life and just said, wow, oh my goodness, what God has done. Lord, get our hearts right. By your spirit, get our hearts right before you that we might be the people who live the blessed life that you long for us to live. And through us, our God, we pray that you will bless the world that you will accomplish your purposes, that this world will be made new simply because we became the people that you called us to be. And our Lord, this we pray in Christ's name.